Hello, you are listening to Eye on the Triangle. This is an interview done with Mia Cannell of We Bleed Red. Part of the interview was cut out, so we are starting right in with the first question. How did you get started with We Bleed Red? I think a lot of other universities were starting to bring free menstrual products to their campuses, specifically App State, UNC Chapel Hill, um, a lot in the UNC system, so there's 17 total. I found out about after the fact, but UNC and App State kind of spurred us to get our program going. The year before we started, a graduate student, Jasmine Park, she had advocated for us to have $1,600 as a part of the student government budget to kind of start a pilot program. So once we saw these other universities were taking it on, it kind of reminded us we had this fund ready for us to go. And so we just started doing research and went from there. And what were your original goals, your your end product? What was that? Yeah. Our original goals were to have free menstrual products starting in the Tally Student Union. We were focusing on Tally because it was kind of the point of contact that a majority of students come into day to day. From there, we wanted to expand into the libraries, UREC, so our uh, gym, Carmichael, and then uh, long-term, the academic buildings. So we wanted to have free menstrual products essentially across the university. And how did those goals change over time? Um, they changed over time just because of kind of roadblocks and barriers that came along the way. So we started with that $1,600 to purchase our initial tampons and pads to be in the student union. And it was pretty successful at first. We were student run. So we were putting the products in the bathrooms individually each day, collecting data on the use um, so that we could kind of take that 1600 and have it as a permanent part of the budget. Um, also, just as some further information, Tally Student Union takes about $2,000 to run, which is pretty conservative considering the amount of money that Tally Student Union has. So that's just a drop in the bucket at NC State. Um, Tally Student Union has about a $1 million surplus, so 2000 is not significant. Um, Sorry, in this 2000 number that you're quoting, could you be a little bit more specific sure. on that? Yeah, it would take $2,000 a year to supply all of the tampons and pads needed for um, the machines in the female and gender neutral bathrooms. So that was kind of our goal was to have a permanent fixture of $2,000 within the student government budget that would be allocated to Tally Student Union. This is something that's not unfamiliar to student government. So we put about $20,000 towards the Wolfpack Pickup Program each year because that was an initiative that was started in student government. So I figured it would kind of be a similar agreement and arrangement where we would allocate $2,000 towards the student union to purchase these products. So that was the initial idea. And then how things changed were some of my advisors came back to me and said that student activity fee dollars, which is how student government is funded, cannot be allocated towards personal items. Um, and or menstrual products. So that was kind of the first little roadblock. And from there, um, that kind of slowed progress down because Tally Student Union had obviously agreed. Hunt and Hill had already put free products in their um, in the libraries, and we currently have them there. And then we were about to have them in UREC since they're going under that renovation for Carmichael. So UREC kind of got canceled Hill um, made it happen, but kept it kind of quiet. And Hill, no, sorry, Hunt made it happen, kept it kind of quiet. And Hill made it happen, but only in one bathroom. So that's how the progress kind of changed. We weren't able to expand from where we already were. Good news is we still have them in Tally Student Union. So they're able to do that because they have external revenues that they're able to spend that aren't student activity fee dollars or potentially university dollars. They come from the... Um, 
I guess the tenants that rent so the spaces. So PNC Bank is renting a space from Tally Student Union, and so is the Princeton Review. So that's external revenues that Tally can spend on these menstrual products. Mm-hmm. And in the initial planning stages, I'm just curious, did you guys consider putting the, the free menstrual products also in men's rooms for the sake of trans inclusivity? <clears throat> we did. Um, that was a question that was brought up a few times, and pers- it was kind of a difficult thing to go about. So we kind of, what here, let me backtrack. Someone asked me, can we put them in these? This was an administrator. Can we put mm-hmm. these in men's bathrooms? And I said, yes, our organization or We Bleed Red has talked about it. We were kind of concerned that the products would be um, vandalized, misused. vandalized, yeah. misused, made fun of. What do you think is the best way to put them in these spaces? And we got no response. And since we were kind of a student group and we have a handful of people and only so much time and resources, we said, well, if an administrator is not able to help us on this front, and since a majority of us are going to be women and going into women's bathrooms and spaces and the gender neutral spaces, then it's going to be tough for us to kind of take on an additional frontier. Yeah. Well, um, I think you answered our question. Um, one of my questions was how funding works for this project. And I think you've basically covered all of that. Yeah, I touched on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've touched on it a little bit. How funding does work for this project. It's a little bit more of how funding doesn't work for the mm-hmm. project. The university has kind of just shifted over towards university dollars will not be spent on this initiative or product or project overall. So it's a little bit of how do we continue to expand without university support. So that's kind of the difficulty right now. Yeah. Um, would you like to talk any more about that? If not, we can move on. Um, sure. So as a group, we decided we were going to fundraise for our future initiatives. So obviously, Student Union is secured. So at the end of last year, we fundraised about $1,200, I think, to kind of plan our future initiatives, which were a lot of like education based um, and also look for outside grant resources. And then additionally, um, we are looking to continue to expand menstrual products specifically into academic buildings. And for that, we're going to be doing product drives. So it's going to be donation based. Um, But the kind of goal and initiative is that If we're getting into these spaces, it kind of becomes a part of the norm and culture at NC State and a part of the expectation. So students are kind of seeing these products, becoming familiar with them. Sadly, if they do go away when our donations go away, um, there's kind of this question, hey, what happened to these products? And then people start probing and it kind of gets Mm -hmm. the ball rolling over again. Awesome. So I think my next question kind of ties into this, too. So you mentioned research earlier. Can you tell us um, about the research you and We Bleed Red have conducted on menstrual products? Sure. Um, So in terms of the research to have these menstrual products in place, we just reached out to other universities and asked them kind of how much money they were spending as well as the size of their student body or the size of the population going through these buildings that are having menstrual products. And then we inflated them to match our our campus. Mm -hmm. NC State is the largest NC State University or it's the largest North Carolina State University. I guess we are North Carolina State University, so that sounds confusing in the same sentence. Um, we're the largest university. Yeah, we're the, the largest, largest in university NC. in the state of North Carolina. Correct. Um, so we had to inflate those numbers a little bit. In terms of menstrual product research that we've done outside of that, so this year we've also um, been interviewing a lot of people as it relates to their menstruation experience. So looking at the average NC State students, they use anywhere from five to 10 tampons a day. Um, That's really important to understand because that means that student is spending money on five to 10 tampons a day. 
to kind of understand that, if you go to the C store, which is in Brugal, a box of, I want to say, eight tampons is $4.99. So if you're using a box a day, you're spending $4.99. If your um, your cycle is anywhere from, let's say, four to seven days, that's going to add up really quick. Um, so that's really kind of the issue that we're getting at now is that students are having to divert a lot of resources, specifically monetary resources and time. If let's say you want to go to CVS or Target um, to have a more affordable option. Um, and that's really unfair to the average student. It's interesting to think that uh, four ninety nine for a box of eight, uh, a box of cigarettes costs about six ninety nine on average if you're smoking a pack of those a day. I mean, for a non-essential to only cost marginally more than something that you are using every month is, is kind of ridiculous. It's a little... It puts things into perspective, I yeah, think. Yeah, definitely. And because menstrual products aren't essential. And I think that's what some people don't necessarily understand, maybe if they don't menstruate themselves. Um, and we've got that even from menstruators. Typically in the older generation, they've said, oh, this is ridiculous. Like this was on Facebook when um, the technician wrote an article about us. They said, this is ridiculous. Like they could just use toilet paper in the meantime. And that's just really unsanitary. So that's also an issue. If students are having to either um, take menstrual products and extend their life past what's considered safe or use paper towels or toilet paper that's really unsanitary can cause infection can cause toxic shock syndrome and that's also not fair to our students our students should have a safe and healthy environment and have readily accessible and in my opinion free products because otherwise they're being sidelined from their education Mm -hmm. and that's pretty upsetting and you think about it it's not like we charge for toilet paper and paper towels why should we charge for menstrual products (laughs) if you do want to hear something funny um so menstrual products are considered a personal item and because I've been asking so many questions about this at the university and I've kind of been probing and saying well why do we get t-shirts why do we get pens why do we get cups why do we get this and that they've stopped providing tissues so like to blow your nose in a lot of the um, I don't even know what they're called the centers in tally student union like I was in student involvement and I'm because I've been working on this project and I was involved with student government for three years prior I'm pretty well known and so I was like hey do you have any tissues and the front desk girl, she said, oh, we're not allowed to have tissues anymore. And I was like, oh, because of, and at the same time we said, because of the tampons. And so they won't even provide tissues anymore, which is ridiculous. Like, I think we should be providing tissues as well. Um, but at the same time, no tissues until there's tampons. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's that's how ridiculous they're willing to be. They're willing to cut back on tissues because they're saying, oh, well, if we give you tissues, then we're going to have to give them tampons and pads. So that's how far the university is willing to go in terms of not providing these products at times. Do you think this opposition stems from built-in misogyny or just periods are icky? Or is it more just they don't want to deal with the funding or the overhead or what? It's really hard to know um, because a lot of the support that I've gotten have been from men at the university. So I've been able to meet with male administrators and they explain things to me. They give me straight answers in terms of funding. So I had a director from the university explained to me how our revenue sources work in terms of student activity fee dollars and external dollars going into the figurative same pot and that it's hard to differentiate once it's there. Um, I've had male administrators being willing to sit down with me and female administrators refusing to meet with me, sending out emails, telling other administrators not to meet with me and kind of blocking our process. So it's hard to know there. And then at the same time, um, I know from my experience in student government that 
And it's also hard to know when they're telling the truth and when they're not. So I've just had them tell me a number of reasons why we can't support these products, and it changes every few months. Um, so who knows if what I'm about to say is even true, but they've also told me that the university is undergoing a diversity audit. So at times, if we're doing programs that promote too much of a niche subculture, that it's like looking bad at the university. We're not spending our resources on enough students, even though menstruation affects approximately 50% of our population at NC State. So for instance, that's why we were told the Women in Color Village can't happen because it was flagged by the diversity audit. And so sometimes I wonder, is this too diverse of an issue? Are we equalizing the playing field too much? We're not letting men use these tampons and pads or people that don't menstruate use these tampons and pads. And that's why we can't have them. I really don't know because they won't give me a straight answer at times. But I think systemically, like in the broader view, it's because a lot of times the way the university was set up, it was by men for men. And so if you go into some buildings, there's not even a female bathroom or they have to create one out of what used to be a like utility closet. A lot of our science and engineering buildings are set up that way. When you were dealing with, you know, fighting to make this happen, talking to people who were trying to shut you down or just wouldn't meet with you, uh, at any point in facing this opposition, did someone try to politicize the issue as being something uh, like right versus left? Did that ever come up? Um, not particularly, not with this issue. I do know that for other issues that have been flagged by this supposed diversity audit, those had been kind of politicized, specifically like the Women in Colored Village got put on some sort of online conservative like website. And that's how a lot of donors found out about it. So that's another thing. If donors find out, they said, well, we're not going to support the university if a women in colored village comes to fruition. So I'm wondering if they think, oh, if donors find out we're giving free menstrual products, they're no longer going to give. So um, it didn't happen for this project. I think that's potentially they were concerned about that happening. I could see that being very realistic. Um, money is the reasoning behind a lot of motivation at the university. Yeah, I was thinking that, you know, just in general, like you said, this is starting the conversation um, on a topic um, that is kind of taboo, too. And mm. I mean, Nick and I were just talking earlier about how, you know, you can't even say the word vagina mm. and like people kind of like tense up. And so oh, yeah. I was kind of thinking as you're saying all this, it probably is somewhat internalized misogyny up you know, in the older generations too, a little bit of backlash, a little bit of like, why do they need this? Like also just misunderstanding. So is, I guess, bringing that all back is like education also a big component of We Bleed Red? Oh yeah, it's a huge component. So um, I would say initially it wasn't, we were kind of just focused on these free products, but kind of as that seemed like a less accessible option and kind of something that would be tougher for us to accomplish. We worked on a lot of education and destigmatizing these mm -hmm. conversations at NC State because if we're more comfortable talking about it, then we can also fight for it. I think that's part of it. Um, so this year we hosted a lot of cup and cloth workshops. So that talks about reusable and sustainable menstrual tools. So reusable pads, menstrual cups, um, period underwear, and that has helped break down a lot of stigma. We've done those in residence halls. We've done those for student organizations. And we've done them for the general student body, like out of tally. Um, and that's a big, big part of it. And I think that's a big issue is people aren't willing to speak about it. And the reality is, like, it's just a normal, like, healthy function of your body. Um, and I think so frequently we don't talk about it. We don't know what is or is not normal as menstruators. Mm -hmm. 
And more commonly that we all have these very different experiences with menstruation. I think so often we think, okay, it's supposed to happen for seven days, once a month, it'll happen the same week, every month, and so frequently that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Or we think, okay, it's always going to be painful when in reality, like our menstruation does not always have to be painful. Like that's potentially a sign of another health concern, but we're so taught that this is just something you're meant to endure rather than bring it up to your health care provider. Um, I know that as starting this, that was a big part of, for me was kind of talking about my personal experience menstruation. And one of the things my advisor said is she pulled me into, she said, Mia, can you come into my office? And I walked in there and she said, you might not want to talk about that. That's kind of personal. And I said, I'm pretty comfortable sharing it. I don't mind. And I think that really helps because if people see that you're comfortable, they become more comfortable. And it's just, a, it's highly stigmatized. And also if we think that there's something wrong with this very natural function of our body, then we're probably thinking there's something wrong with us. There's something to be ashamed of. And it makes us kind of shrink ourselves to make others more comfortable. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so uh, kind of circling back to you talked about the the menstrual cups. Mm -hmm. um, so I know you have a new initiative with that. Um, mm -hmm. And I think you said also you're collecting some data. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure it's preliminary, but would you like to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so we this year kind of shifted our focus onto menstrual cups. We wanted to provide students with a resource that made them independent of the university and what the university was or wasn't willing to fund. And so menstrual cups are medical grade silicone that um, are kind of, they look like a little shot glass if you've never seen one. They're like a dome shot glass. There's hundreds of brands of them with different shape sizes and like diameters, um, which is pretty cool to think about. But um, And we provided these for free to 150 students and then collected data from them for about four months. I haven't looked at the data since probably the first month. Um, Stacy, one of like my partners in this, she's kind of compiling this all right now so that we can present it to the university ideally. Um, but looking at it, students really like it. Um, a lot of times menstrual cups are something people aren't familiar with. They have been around for about 50 years. Of course, you know, 50 years later, they're better than when they started. But they have been around for 50 years, but people don't tend to gravitate towards them because it's not what they were kind of like raised on. A lot of people mm -hmm. are raised with tampons and pads and it's what they're more comfortable with. But if you're raised on a menstrual cup, you're just as comfortable with it as if you had been raised on a tampon. Um, and usually three months or three cycles is what people need to kind of get familiar with them. And by the fourth, ideally, they're kind of got the hang of it. Um, and what's awesome about menstrual cups is that they're reusable. So they're a one-time purchase. So it is an upfront cost of upwards of $40, which can be a little bit of a burden. That's why we wanted to provide them to students for free. But after that, you're saving anywhere from that $4.99 to $30 a month on menstrual products. Um, they're also a lot safer. So because they are silicone and not cotton, they're not sucking up the natural moisture in your vagina. Instead, they're just collecting the menstruation and you're emptying it. So a lot of times cotton can cause micro tears and those micro tears can cause infection. Um, also the cotton um, can grow bacteria. So there's that chance of toxic shock syndrome, which is something a lot of us have heard of if you're menstruating and just about every product warns of on the box. Uh, um, for, for guys at home sure. that may not be familiar with it, would you mind explaining what toxic shock syndrome is? Because sure. I think this is a really good way to drive home yeah. how important this issue <laughs> yeah. is. Um, I'm honestly like... It's just something I know I'm supposed yeah. to be really fearful of. I'm pretty sure it's where bacteria grows 
and it causes an infection and like gets into your bloodstream and you get very ill if not die yeah. <laughs> it's something you always hear about as a menstruating person like it's like basically they're like if you keep your tampon in too long like you could die and it's like yeah. oh my gosh like it's literally presented that way yeah and then also another thing or related to those like micro tears is bacterial vaginosis which is again the growth of too much bacteria which can be really painful and um, make you pretty ill um, I've heard of more people experiencing that because I think it's just a little more common um, but a lot of times these occur from the extending the life of a product so you're supposed to remove them um, either every time you use the bathroom or every like one to three hours. Menstrual cups you can leave in for up to 12 hours, which is really awesome. They can't grow bacteria on them because it's silicone. It's medical grade. Um, and so those are some of the benefits. They're also a lot better for the environment. So tampons take hundreds of years to break down, um, not even to mention all the packaging, wrappers, plastic, adhesive that goes into them in terms of pads when I say adhesive. Um, and then a lot of tampons have those plastic applicators. So um, it saves a lot on your environmental footprint as well. And it's also just really empowering. So you're able to, one, I think a lot of people are surprised the first time they use a menstrual cup because they're used to going through, let's say, five tampons a day, but then they only fill up a menstrual cup halfway. A lot of times your tampons are being filled with um, like the natural fluid in your vagina other than blood. So then they're not even really maximizing their capability and you're having to use new ones constantly when a menstrual cup is just purely collecting your menstruation. Um, and then what's awesome about that is you can see how much you're menstruating. And that's good because you can give that information to your healthcare provider. So sometimes when you're in with your gynecologist or even your regular doctor, they can ask like, how frequently do you have your period? How many tampons do you tend to use? Because that's how they try to gauge it. But if you can say, oh, I'm only bleeding like one ounce a day or whatever it may be, you know, these little um, metrics on the cups, you can let them know. And that's really useful information for your doctor. So we have a member of our group and she was able to provide that. And they said, well, that's way too much. You should not be bleeding that much. And now they're able to run these other tests to figure out what the issue is and why that's happening. Um, so that can be really awesome in terms of like having that conversation with your healthcare provider. And I just wanted to say uh, the fact that uh, w just to follow up on toxic shock, shock syndrome, since neither one of you happened to mention it, it is potentially very deadly. Oh, yeah. uh, any yeah. infection that gets into your bloodstream is, is a rapid danger to your health. Uh, you, you could be talking death within a matter of days. Yeah. So it's a very important thing to try to avoid for that reason. That was the main point that I wanted to bring yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I am all for menstrual cups. So I'm super happy to talk about this <laughs> and kind of shifting gears like ever so slightly. I think um, we want to talk about the We Believe Red documentary now because, um, as you said, it focused heavily on this, right? Mm -hmm. The menstrual cups. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us about that? Yeah. So with this documentary, we wanted to look at what resources were available to students on campus as well as follow some of the students that were trying these menstrual cups for the first time and also look at just the general conversation about menstruation. So we had about 10 students volunteer to vlog this experience of four months with a menstrual cup. Five probably did it consistently um, and it was really cool to be able to see what they liked about a menstrual cup, whether it was kind of intimidating to empty it in a resident hall, you know, communal bathroom or whether it was really exciting that they could use it at flag football and not experience any discomfort. Um, and then being able to relay that information 
makes it a lot more relatable for other students. So everyone that came to our documentary showing got a free menstrual cup, which was really awesome. And someone was like, you know, I was on the edge, but if they all were able to do it, I can do it too. And that was kind of our goal is that show them these are other NC State, NC State students that live their lives just like you. They might live in a residence hall. They might play, you know, racquetball for their gym class. And they were able to go about their lives and use these menstrual cups very successfully. And that makes it a lot more relatable because, again, some, like we mentioned, some people, you know, were raised on tampons and pads. They don't know anyone that's using menstrual cups. So to be able to see a face like theirs who's using a menstrual cup successfully is really empowering. Um, so that was one aspect of the documentary. We also looked at, again, the C-Store, CVS, and Target and compared prices and how much a student would be spending at these resources. We looked at these specifically because um, NC State student ho- NC State's houses a couple thousand students on campus. Um, a lot of them don't bring a car their first years, and so their resources are limited to where they can physically walk to. Target is a new resource, but previously we only had um, we only had CVS and what is it called? The C stores. The C stores have even been cut back. We used to have one in the honors quad. It's no longer there. We have the one that's in the Bergal, um, residence hall. We used to have one over in the design area. It was a really small C store. It was only there. It was there my first year, but I haven't seen it since. I don't know if it still exists because I know they've been cutting back on C stores. I don't know if either of you recall. I think it is right by um, Brooks Hall. and I think so. It's still there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just don't walk that way anymore, but I was like, they probably took it too. You know, I'm always yeah. convinced they're cutting <laughs> back on everything. Um, and so we looked at these resources to kind of understand what students have access to. And also those are kind of focused and shifted towards the south end of campus. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still pretty tough. Like if you were to live in Avent Ferry, or let's say wood, or just kind of anything that's closer to the Carmichael side of campus, it's a pretty significant hike. And then additionally, looking at Centennial Campus, there's only one place to buy menstrual products, and that place is only open five days a week, and I think they close at like 4 or 5 p.m. Oh, yeah, there's a big discussion to be had about the lack of resources available on Centennial Campus just overall. Yeah, exactly. So that was a big concern of ours. Um, and then we also, we want to talk about this like conversation of menstruation. So we talk a little bit about how it's stigmatizing, what that can, how that's harmful for students, mm-hmm. but then also how this conversation tends to only include the people that are menstruating. So a really funny and comical part of the documentary is we interview men on campus. Um, and it's just hilarious. Like it's the best part of the documentary, I think. Um, someone estimated that tampons cost $40. Someone thought a menstrual cup was to take shots of liquor. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> the best the best part is um, we asked them if you had to describe menstruation or a period to someone who knew nothing about it, what would you say? And one individual, he said, it's like you have diarrhea, but for like a week, and it's like crap emotionally. And I was like, yeah, you got it, I guess. But it was just really funny to hear people's like, ideas and also some of them were like actually I don't want to answer that question like they just were really uncomfortable and the importance of bringing those people in is because like we talked about historically it's typically those who don't menstruate that are making these decisions for us and also the misunderstanding of how menstruation works makes their um, for example some people think that menstruation is kind of like peeing like you can hold your blood in until you go to the bathroom and then you can just release it 
Um, for those of you who don't know, that is not how it works. It's just free flowing. It's pretty unfortunate. Um, I've also had friends or that don't menstruate that think that periods are one day. You have like one day where you bleed and it's over. And the reality is if that's what people are thinking, then they probably think it's a lot more manageable than it is. And they don't understand why there's a need for these products. So it was a pretty cool documentary. Um, I think it's about 45 minutes. We're going to upload it to YouTube pretty soon. Um, and everyone who came really seemed to like it. So that was awesome. Awesome. And um, what YouTube channel would this be on? Do you um, know? I don't. Yeah, that's I was I think I couldn't figure out how to use it from mine because mine's, I think, connected to my university email. But I guess I could do it from the We Bleed Red email. So it'll it'll just be called We Bleed Red, I'm sure. Okay. If people are interested in following you in the meantime, you guys have social handles, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, on Instagram, I want to say we are webleedred.ncsu. And I am triple checking. Yes, webleedred.ncsu is where you can find us. And I know that when we um, publish it on YouTube, we'll definitely promote it there. Awesome. So just to kind of wrap things up, and I'm sure you've touched on this in a few places already, mm -hmm. but if you could concisely say, why is this work important to you? Like, and additionally, after that, yeah. maybe uh, touch on your personal trials and tribulations with yeah. this program, because you had a lot of vested stake in this program and it's affected you quite a bit uh, yeah. as you were talking to us uh, about it before. Yeah. Um, I'll start with why I think it's really important. Um, I've talked about how if you don't have access to menstrual products, it can effectively sideline you. I think that's really important to recognize, especially in an educational space, when that's a space the women have been systematically um, kept from for a very long time. And so if we continue to have practices that do not allow for students to be the most successful, it makes education a really tough place to have an equal playing field. And that can potentially sound dramatic for people who have not experienced menstruation, but the reality is it's very uncomfortable to be in any space covered in your own blood. Um, it's uncomfortable. It's <laughs> like you can feel it internally. You can feel it externally. Um, you can smell yourself. You physically just do not want to be there. So a lot of people have to resort to going home or back to their residence hall, um, potentially missing information in class. I once sat through a test because I was like, I either have to tell my professor who's a male and ask to take it at another time or I just sit in a like essentially my bloody underwear and I chose to sit in my bloody underwear. I just had didn't have my menstrual cup that day and it was like it's also I'm just not very good at German and I was like he's going to think I'm just trying to get out of this test um, rather than this being an actual reason for not being able to take it. Um, and so I think it's important because our university should be friendly for all of its students for anyone who's um, menstruating, I, it should just be accessible. We should be have, we should have access to this form of healthcare and makes this experience slightly more tolerable. Um, uh, cause otherwise, like I said, it just sidelines you and that's really, really unfair as it relates to education. Um, in terms of this project as a whole, just me personally, I've I'm very invested in it. I spent $2,000 on those menstrual cups um, that I had been promised via like university grant funding. Um, and then they withdrew that grant funding because again, they kind of changed the rules every time and gave me different reasons. They didn't want to support us. Um, that was pretty tough to be in debt. Um, money is like the number one stressor. If you look at what stresses people out, money is one of them. And uh, 
it was so bad that I started having like health complications from it. Like stress is really heavily um, associated with like gastric intestinal issues. And so I started experiencing that and that was really awful. I had to get like procedures done to fix that, which I know is like a little TMI, but it was pretty awful. Uh, I guess if I can talk about menstruation, yeah. I can talk about <laughs> my health issues. Um, but I think this is really important. I was willing to put this and put my self into literal debt because I think people should have access to this, should have understandings of all their resources and all the things that are available to them to have healthier, safer, and more friendly menstruation. Um, because really when people don't understand that and don't understand what's available to them, it's a huge disservice. And I think there's also a huge, of course I want free tampons and pads, but I think there's a huge lock on the market where they don't want people to know about menstrual cups because they'll lose the profit of those um, those consumers each month. Um, but I really think there's a lot to say from being able to be empowered and be free of these companies that are profiting off you, taxing you, also putting unsafe chemicals into your body. Um, so I really think the more people that know about menstrual cups, the easier menstruation is going to be for us as a whole, as well as the more open these conversations are going to be. Um, you know, between parents and their children that menstruate, between friends as they menstruate, and ideally between even those that don't menstruate. So I think it's very important. <laughs> All right. So to wrap it up, uh, we just want to ask you, uh, where is this project going in the future? What are you guys planning on doing and how can interested students get involved? Yeah. Um, realistically, that's hard to say. I am a graduating senior we are a student initiative, so we're not supported by the university. We don't have a formal, um, you know, home. Uh, students that want to get involved can find us on Instagram and Facebook. I'm hopefully, I want to kind of create a website that has like a history of everything we've done and how we've done it so that when I'm not here, because I won't be at the end of May, um, someone else can kind of like read as like a manifesto of what to do. Um, because realistically, a lot of us won't be here and we're a small group that it's hard to move forward without institutional support. Um, we are looking to expand into academic buildings to, again, kind of have that cultural shift and change. Um, but anyone who's willing to kind of take this on going forward, I would give them all my advice and all my resources and all my knowledge um, because it's a lot of it's a lot of insider knowledge. I got a lot of this like a know how to from student government from being there for three years from knowing who to contact and how and what to say. So anyone who's interested can find us on Instagram or Facebook at weebleedred.ncsu. Um, we are going to have a product drive in a week or two, and we are part of Service Raleigh to kind of prepare for that. And, um, yeah, it's kind of we're closing out for the year, so it'll hopefully end well. <laughs> and for those of you who follow our blog, I will link those uh, social media accounts so you all can find that better and for those of you who don't the instagram is again uh at weebleedred.ncsu mm -hmm. all right well thank you very much for joining us today yeah, yeah thank you so much for having me that is the end of our show so we appreciate you joining us on this beautiful tuesday evening assuming that you've been listening to this live as always if you heard anything you liked you hated or anything that made you think let us know at public affairs at wknc.org or if you'd like to become a member of our team and be sure to check out our blog at wknc-eot.tumblr.com. Our intro music for today's show and every other show was Connie by L1011. You can catch another episode of Eye on the Triangle next week, Tuesday, April 9th from 6 to 7 p.m. 
Stay tuned for your usual programming of amazing indie music, and we'll see you all next time.